Hello, everybody. It's another episode of College Gridiron, talking about the national title game, Alabama, the national champions again. Number seven for Nick Saban. They win 52-24 to over Ohio State on Monday night, and Alabama wins it all again. I got my guys with me, Ryan Gregware, Nick DeLuca. The Tide win this one going away. Mac Jones, a CFP title game record, 464 passing yards and five TDs. Devontae Smith in effectively one half of football, 12 receptions, 215 yards, three touchdowns. Ryan, I'll go to you first. Your initial reaction from this game with Alabama coming out on top. Right. So as you guys know, last week I went out here and went for the hot take and it burned me big time. Uh, I thought I picked Ohio State to win this one. Regretted it seven seconds into the game. I think I texted you guys like I'm an idiot. Um, I got a little life early. You know, Ohio State, they got a strip sack. They tied it at 14-14. But at that point on, Bama just steamrolled them. They uh, they won the rest of the game 38-10. to and when you look at it, just you go, you take a step back for a second here and just look at what Nick Saban's done at Alabama. You know, he's been able to recruit with the literal message of if you go to our school, you will win a national championship. Like he's won every single, every single recruit that hasn't transferred has won a national championship if they stayed, you know, long enough and stuff like that. So to have that message, um, to be the first team ever to be ranked number one from the start of the college football playoff rankings to the end is impressive. But going back to this game, the one thing I think where, um, you know, Trey Sermon injury, like he gets hurt one second, one run into the game for Ohio State, that hurts. But the way Alabama was able to just go up and down the field, the way Mac Jones was able to throw the football, and the way Devontae Smith was able to get open just made it unstoppable for them. And Ohio State, you know, they didn't have the firepower on offense. Justin Fields, maybe he probably played hurt. But at the end of the day, you don't have the firepower to match Alabama you're not going to get the stops to beat them, and that's what it came down to. My initial thoughts are that Alabama was one of the best teams in college football history, playing in an environment that was conducive to them being the best team that we've ever seen or on a run that was similar to that. When you think about Alabama, they had a number of players who had an opportunity to enter the NFL draft players who had been making impact from their freshman years. Najee Harris got a number of carries against Georgia in their 2018 national championship win. Devontae Smith catches the game-winning pass in overtime to lift them to a national championship back then. Those guys just stay. They don't leave. And now they're getting an opportunity to play for the national title in 2021. And in a truncated season where you don't have the spring practices – You don't have the same continuity with coaches trying to understand the players that they have and figure things out. So you've got the greatest coach in college football history coaching an experienced team in an environment where experience is perhaps at its most important point in all of college football's landscape. So I don't know that anyone should be surprised at the run that they just went on because it was was incredible how good they were. But I think that that just – that performance reiterates that Alabama was one of the best college football teams that we've ever seen. They rival LSU from what we saw last year in the run that they went on and how well they played with a historically great offense. 
this was another historically great offense with Mac Jones and Najee Harris and Devontae Smith, a guy at wide receiver who wins a Heisman and sets college football playoff championship records playing one half of football. Like this dude, I I know you said it, Jimmy, but I'm going to say it again. 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns in one half. The dude dislocated his finger, was in street clothes for the last 30 minutes of the football game, and still put up over 200 yards receiving in three touchdowns when Ohio State knew the whole time that they were going to throw it to him. Why? Because the dude won the Heisman Trophy. So that was, to me, just – it was utter domination by Alabama and just drove home the point that when we talk about trying to create this disparity or this – even playing field in college football, we were so far away from it this year because Alabama proving it every step of the way was just so much better than everyone else. And we thought that Ohio State could have played challenger to that. We thought that Clemson potentially could have been a challenge. It, it wasn't. And, and here we are, as probably a lot of us expected at the beginning of this year, when Alabama has the most talent and the most experience, they don't lose because they've got the greatest coach in college football history. So just a really impressive performance throughout this entire season and then capped by an exclamation point at the end in Miami. I want to stay with the play calling that you mentioned, Nick, because I really think that that is a testament to Steve Sarkeesian and the work he did. And yes, you know, Texas part of the is really happy right now. Yes, they, they have to be, I think. And yes, part of Devontae Smith being as open as he was was Ohio State's inability to cover him. I mean, that, that's part of it. You have to mention that. But, I mean, they ran some brilliant designs to get him open, especially down by the red zone. There was the one play where he motioned back and forth a couple times and then went out in the flat and he was wide open. There was another play where they were able to get him the ball short and then – he was able to run it in for a touchdown. And then, then the third touchdown, I mean, <laughs> you're putting tough Borland, who's a linebacker on Devontae Smith. I, I, come on. That, that's just not fair. But credit to Steve Sharkeesian because this is the guy, especially with Jalen Waddle looking the way he did on Monday night, he, he did not look healthy at all. And so Devontae Smith is absolutely the number one guy you've got to stop. And, Steve Sarkeesian, in spite of that, in spite of everyone knowing he was going to get the ball at all times, was still able to create a game plan that allowed him to have as much space as he did. And part of it, again, falls on the Ohio State defense. Don't get me wrong. But I think we have to give Steve Sarkeesian a ton of credit, and I think that is a big loss for Alabama heading into next year. There's obviously been a a ton of turnover on the Alabama staff because all those assistants usually get hired. But – that's a particularly big loss, I feel, for Alabama as they head into the future and they say goodbye to Steve Sarkeesian as he heads over to Texas. Yeah, you talk about the big loss, but also, like, if you look at the grand scheme of things, Nick Saban always loses his coordinators, and he just always seems to make it work. When he's the one constant, you'll be fine. Uh, they did hire Bill O'Brien, former Texans, former Penn State head coach, so that should be interesting. And, yeah, just to what you were saying earlier, you know, the way he was able to motion Devontae Smith across the field, just get him in space, get him on linebackers, and it was just effortless for Alabama. Um, Ohio State did not come ready on defense. They could not really generate any pressure on Mac Jones. And so when you're not able to get after Mac Jones, which really no one was able to all year, 
he's going to have all this time in the pocket, and that's the worst thing for you when he has Devontae Smith open, he has Michi open. You know, you, it's not a matchup you want to get to. But I think also we're not giving Alabama's defense enough credit here because we just saw Justin Fields, you know, have the game of the season in the biggest spotlight against a Clemson defense who we all knew, know is legit, right? They got a ton of NFL guys everywhere. But Alabama was able to limit the big plays. Um, you know, going into this game, one of the areas I thought Ohio State would, you know, be, be in this game for is because they maybe they could get some cheap touchdowns, stuff like that. Alabama's defense have been good all year, but not this good. Um, you know, they've been middle of the pack with stopping the big play. And in this game, the longest play for Ohio State was that 36-yard pass to Jeremy Rucker on the first drive, which was a miraculous one-handed catch. So the way they were able to limit them on defense made it so much easier for Alabama. They just had a great game plan through and through. And I think when you look at the end of the day, like the best team won, there was no one, nothing anyone could have done about it. Yeah, I'm not so worried about Alabama losing its offensive coordinator. I think Bill O'Brien, because – you cannot trade recruits should be in, in good shape there. Alabama should be fine, right? There are no first round picks to give up from Alabama. So I'm, I'm confident that they'll be able to get that done and be all right, just as a side note. But I, I like what you guys mentioned a little bit, and I wanted to maybe take a little bit of a deeper dive into this. I really did not like Ohio State's defensive game plan at all. Because they had they're, one? Well, it, it, that's a fair question to ask, Jimmy, and that's really the, the frustrating thing because you know they have so many weapons and you know that they can create the big plays and there is an argument to be made that you want to sit back and, and limit the big plays and make them drive down the field. It's, it's sort of the, the give and the take about what is the philosophical way of how to slow down this high-powered offense, right? There's, there's an argument to be made or a line of thinking that says – when you're dealing with, with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, this is how every NFL team sort of in practice says we're, we're going to defend him. We know that he can go off with Tyreek Hill and they're going to Kelsey and make a ton of big plays. So we're going to sit back there and really play coverage and we're not going to give up big plays. We're going to make them earn it and, and try and take that away, of course, opening up everything underneath. That was kind of Ohio State's game plan, and I understand that to a degree. But at the same time, at the same time, no disrespect to Mac Jones, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. And, and to me, the only way that you were going to slow down this attack, and, and no one had really done it, and again, there's also credit to Alabama's offensive line here too, which is one of the best in the country in pass protection. But there was not enough pressure on Mac Jones on Monday night. There really just wasn't. So the, the few times that Ohio State really dialed it up and brought pressure, it seemed to be effective. When they brought a blitz, they forced a fumble, a huge turnover to make it 14-14. But I just didn't love what I saw out of Ohio State's game plan because I felt like if they could have done more of that, they had a chance. It, it's – I don't want to – I like – these guys are so independent and you don't want to get into NFL comparisons because it's, it's not fair for me to say that Mac Jones is like Tom Brady. But just stick with me for a second. They're the same type of quarterback in that they are not ridiculously mobile. To, to get back to the Mahomes example, if you blitz Patrick Mahomes, one of the other downsides is that this dude is mobile enough that he can get to the outside and outside the pocket, he's really going to hurt you. 
the game plan for a lot of D coordinators when they go after Tom Brady is like, get him off his spot. That's where we could be effective in sort of altering how comfortable he is. I think Mac Jones is the same type of quarterback. So for me, I'm, I'm, if I'm Ohio State sitting in that meeting room, I want to go after Mac Jones a little bit more with the idea that, yes, you are taking chances. Yes, Devontae Smith is someone that we're going to need to help on. And perhaps stopping the running game is, is a huge point of emphasis. So bringing pressure is going to help us do that too. And they've got a number of weapons. It's a pick-your-poison type of offense. And no one was saying that no one's held Alabama to under 40. So it's, it's not going to happen. I understand all of that. At the same time, I thought that your best chance was to go in there and to pressure Mac Jones, to get him off his spot, to get him out of the rhythm, to get him uncomfortable, to see if as, as perhaps the least dynamic of all of the first-round picks that Alabama has on their offense, to see if they could expose that sort of weakness. Make the game Mac Jones's to lose. Put it in his hands as opposed to Devontae Smith's, who's proven time and time again that he can beat you, instead of the Najee Harris, who has proven time and time again that he can beat you, I would have liked to see them bring more pressure. They didn't, and they give up 52 and really did not give themselves a chance to win. Yeah, and I think you bring up some interesting points there. And I was also surprised it didn't feel like they made a lot of extra effort to take Devontae Smith out of the game. Like, I went into that thinking, all right, there's, there's going to be, you know, double high coverage. There's going to be a safety over the top. Like, whatever they do defensively, that guy's not beating them. That guy being Devontae Smith. Because he's the Heisman Trophy winner. He's, you know, a killer weapon for Alabama. And, and yet, you have a play where you have a linebacker covering him downfield, which is, you know, which is a loss and it wound up being a loss. And, and the pressure point I think is really interesting. You know, Matt Jones is a guy who was sacked three times over two games in the college football playoff, who, as you said, is not especially mobile, um, who it's almost a surprise at this point, every time he runs it basically, but yet here was Ohio state, just struggling to defend this passing attack. And, and what I thought was the real sign of how bad it was for Ohio State was early in the second half when they came out of the locker room. It was 35-14, I think, at that point. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the number. And mm-hmm. Alabama had the drive. Devontae Smith gets hurt. Mechie had gotten hurt. He was out for a while. He came back later in the game. Um, and Najee Harris actually wasn't on the field for that drive. It was Brian Robinson was doing most of the snaps of running back for Bama. And Ohio State couldn't stop any of that either. And that kind of told you what you needed to know, I think, because it, it I don't want to say it doesn't matter who Alabama puts on the field, because obviously it does. But at some point, like it was just more on Ohio State and the game plan, and, and they weren't going to stop a nosebleed on Monday night. And we talked all year about this Ohio state defense, right? They lose chase young. Who's going to be the defensive rookie of the year. They lose Jeff Okuda, the number three pick to the lions. Like this is not the defense that we were looking at in the semifinal last year against Clemson. And we were thinking, okay, well, when is that going to show? It didn't show against Clemson. It did against Alabama. And this defense just to, to put it maybe in an oversimplification, 
was just never good enough to win a national championship. And unfortunately, uh, I think that's, that's what we saw on Monday night, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, if we take out that Clemson game right two weeks ago, and then we get this ever from Ohio state's defense, I wouldn't be too upset because it's what we've seen all year. As you just talked about, you know, you lost Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda in the secondary. We've been talking all year about how it's not the same defense. But after I saw that performance against Clemson, where they forced three fumbles on Trevor Lawrence, they forced a pick. They dominated that game defensively. You know, they let Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick, presumably, to 24 points. That made me disappointed in this effort because I saw, I saw the talent. I saw them hold ETN to 32 yards on 10 carries. So I know it's there for Ohio State. Um, you know, clearly Bama's the best team all year. But, you know, to play as poorly as they did, it was really disappointing to see. Um, just to switch for a second to BAM as a whole this year, because, you know, last year, right, we all talked about LSU is the best team of all time. And this BAMA team really does give them a run for their money. Uh, they never trailed in the fourth quarter all year. They had a double digit lead with the ball for an average of 19 minutes a game. So they were just, you know, they score every time on you. You're not going to be able to keep up and it didn't matter who they played. So just talking about that, like obviously Ohio state, was not the defense that would be the one to neutralize them. Funny enough, for all the slack we gave Notre Dame, that was the best defensive effort against Alabama this year, holding them to 30-plus still. But, um, yeah, so I was disappointed with Ohio State's defense. I thought if they played the way against Clemson, this game would have been much closer. But when the offense plays poorly, poorer than it did, and the defense doesn't show up, and you're getting, you know, you're getting out-coached, it's really hard to win. And, you know, they got embarrassed. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough look for Ohio State and Kerry Combs, their defensive coordinator, as I was just sort of outlining last time that I was going through it. But yeah, it's it's really disappointing for them because you felt like they had some pretty high expectations to, to compete in this game, right? It, it wasn't that they were going to go in and say, oh, they're going to they're going to win this game or they're favored by any stretch. But you felt like they had a good opportunity to compete and they, they didn't really do that, which was disappointing. But it, it does illustrate how good as I opened up with that, that Alabama was this season. And I, I think it's it's sort of a it's so hard to compare these teams from year to year just with the way that things work. And again, Alabama had to deal with COVID. And I would also argue that just the landscape of college football told you that LSU played probably a tougher schedule last year with just how things went down with some of the teams that were just so much better. Like if you were asking me on paper, those two teams, I feel like LSU would win, but again, that game's never going to happen. So who really cares? But it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter because you don't need to take away from what Alabama accomplished this year, which was one of the most accomplished seasons that we've ever seen. I mean, they were absolutely outstanding. And I think there is a plus that goes in there to navigating COVID and everything that came along with this season as they did. And they weren't really challenged. And yes, there's something to that with how good that their program and organization and structure is run. But at the same time, they make it so they're not challenged because they were that good. So just a really impressive year from Alabama and something that we've been really accustomed to seeing. You nitpick and you get into the game plan for Ohio State and say they should have done this, should have done that. Well, there's also the argument to be made that they don't have the corners to pressure and that, you know, Alabama is just too good. They were the better team. No one's arguing that they weren't. 
You're talking about how do we massage the edges to make this thing a closer game or to give them more of a, of a puncher's chance. But Alabama was far and away the better team on Monday night, and that team usually wins the national championship when it gets played, regardless of how the game is coached. I think we should also mention, too, while we're on this discussion of Ohio State, they were down a bunch of players due to yeah. COVID and contact tracing. Uh, several starters, including their kicker, Blake Hobbill, now didn't wind up coming down to a kick, but if it would have, that would have been front and center, I'm sure. Um, you know, they they listed, I think, 13 players on the injured list. A bunch of those guys are starters. Like, that has to be part of the discussion as well. So I, I think let, I also want to give Ohio State a little slack here. I also want to give credit where it's due, not just Alabama, but really all the teams in college football this year because we went through the summer and, and even the early fall to some extent, and, and some of these players and some of these conferences just did not know a lot about where things were headed and what the schedules were going to look like and what was going on. There was so much unknown this year in college football between the scheduling, between just if you were going to play, especially in the case of the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And these players got through it. They, you know, in some cases dealt with outbreaks. Um, it was not, you know, a, a clean season, at least in terms of that. But I think we also need to give the players, particularly those who, you know, went deep into the season, a ton of credit here because there was so much unknown and yet these players tough through it. In the case of Alabama, they won a national championship and they're able to make it to the end of this college football season, which I think in and of itself with what we're dealing with right now is very impressive. Yeah. Going off what you said, you have to give everyone props. You know, we went into this season with so many question marks, probably more negative answers than positive ones. And even, you know, at the start of the year, the big 10 not coming back, you know, there was talk about how legit of a title this would be. Everyone was able to get things in check. You know, the kids were able to stay safe for the most part. We were able to get a real champion at the end of the day. No one's disputing that, which I think is a great thing because I feel like we hear a lot of asterisks talk in, you know, some of the professional sports, but I don't think anyone is really going out and saying that now with Alabama. But, yeah, just going off what you said, props to everyone for getting this season on track. It's probably been the most difficult there has ever been to try to get a season, but they did a really good job in – uh, navigating through it with all the different scheduling things and really good job just on college football to play this full season. Yeah, a lot of credit goes to the schools, but I think it also highlights the idea that we need some more people in charge in a more centralized governing body of what we're doing here. So yes, we were able to make it through and sort of by the grace of God of figuring things out, but there's now going to be a different power struggle here where we've got something on the order of, I think it's 14 of the last 15 national championship championships have come from the South, the SEC and that type of country. And, and the SEC is wielding a ton of power in the landscape of college football. So I, I just got to say that it, it's, I'm amazed it, it, they were able to get through it. And, and the skepticism was absolutely correct. And, and, outstanding for us as fans of college football that we were able to get a season but this more than ever has just highlighted the idea that there needs to be a sort of commissioner of college football that there needs to be this sort of person who stands up there and says this is how we're going to run things 
and it's not the committee. It's not the, the people that decide how we're going to crown a college football champion. It's just one of those things that, that gives more of a centralized voice and, and more of a clearer direction toward what we're doing in, in college football. And I think that that has never been more evident than after this season because it was just how, how are we getting to this championship game where we've got one team that played 13, another team that played eight. We've got this team shouldn't be in because – you know, they, they're ranked 11th in the coaches poll because they've only played six games because their conference would only let them play six games. That, of course, after they were supposed to play eight, two got canceled. And there was talk about bending the rules to even get them into their own conference championship game. I mean, make, make no mistake about it. It's amazing that we got through this because and you sort of romanticize it at the end of things. But this season was was kind of a disaster. Like this was all over the place and things need to get fixed. Obviously, this will never be – this challenge will never be the same again. Like, even if there's COVID next year and, and we are behind on a timeline compared to what we think is going to happen, we still know how to navigate COVID a second time better than we would the first. So this, this type of challenge will never present itself in this same way again, I don't believe, in this setting. But at the same time, it is illustrated – we got to find a way to put a lot of these teams and conferences and programs in check because as our national championship showed us, there's a huge disparity in college football. Alabama is really, really good and just so much better than even the second and third teams in the country. So I think that more than anything else, there is credit for sure. And to me, the credit goes to the players and to the schools individually for navigating and finding a way but it is also illustrated to me that there is a lack of leadership at the top of college football and something that we really need if we want to make this sport more intriguing and get it closer to what we want to see going forward. I think this was also illustrated this year when you had each conference being all over the map yeah. in terms of what it was going to do with the return to play plans, right? You had the SEC all along say, we're going to play. ACC, same thing. You had the Big Ten, which frankly was letting the tail wag the dog the whole time, right? They said they're not going to play, and then they said, ah, well, we're going to play, and you know how that went. Um, and so I do think there needs to be that. I agree with you. I just don't know how it's going to happen, and I, I think that's the next step of trying to figure that out. I mean, the obvious answer is just put a czar in charge of college football, put somebody in charge of college basketball, and go from there, basically. Um, how that happens, I don't know. And is the NCAA going to be willing to do that? I don't know. And with that decentralized structure, what happened this year, not a surprise when you have every conference with a different plan, basically. So I, I don't think, yeah, parts of it were disappointing, of course, but I, I think you can't be surprised with the way things turned out when you have different schools, different teams, different interests playing out in the way that they did. But guys, this has been a fun, unprecedented season, I think to say the least. Uh, I'm just glad I got to do it with you guys. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we don't know when our next episode is going to be. It might be a little while, but guys, this has been an awesome time. And thank you for uh, being here through all of this. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, getting to experience it with you was, was a lot of fun.
Yeah, I'm with you. It, we, we had fun. We always do. And, and we're looking forward to perhaps, you know, get, getting back to this as, as soon as we can. Yeah, of course, college football over. We'll, we'll find a way to have something to talk about to, to get the group back together. This is always fun. Thanks, guys. So that'll just about do it for us. For Ryan Gregoire and Nick DeLuca, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Thank you for listening to this episode of College Gridiron.